Behold, the virgin will give birth to a child, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. My brothers and sisters, united by the grace of our Christmas King, Jesus Christ. There is a problem with the way that we talk about gardening and farming. There is a way that we refer to what happens when someone is a gardener or a farmer that is very misleading, if you think about it. Your neighbor has a bunch of roses in her backyard. How do you describe what she does? You say, she plants roses, or she grows roses. And in a sense, that's exactly correct, isn't it? Because she went to the store and bought a bag of rose seeds, if that's what she did, and she planted them, and you can expect that if anything grows out of those uh, planters, it's going to be not corn, not beets, not rutabaga. It's probably going to be roses. In a sense, you do indeed reap what you sow. So rose seeds, if you reap anything, it's going to be roses. The fact that you reap what you sow, though, in life can be a very hard lesson. And that's the lesson that the Israelites were learning in Jeremiah's day. They were reaping what they had sown, but they had not sown rose seeds or anything else. Over decades upon decades, generation after generation, they had sowed the seeds of isolation from God. As good as God had been to them, as much as they had seen God bless and be there for them, show his love to them, they did nothing but sin against him. Repeatedly, sowing the seeds of isolation from God, pushing God away through their idolatry, through their adultery, through everything. Because the Israelites had succumbed to the societal pressure, let's say, the cultural pressure to put anything and everything ahead of God on their priority list. And so they stopped listening to the word of God, stopped caring what God had to say, and they were in a very bad way. And when God sent the prophets to remind them that maybe their relationship with him was a little more important than they were letting on, they mistreated the prophets. Jeremiah himself received beatings, jail time, suffering of all kinds just for trying to share the word of God. If that's how you're going to treat a prophet of God, you're sowing the seeds of isolation from him. And they would reap what they had sown. Because through those very prophets, God had warned the Israelites, you guys, you got to fix what's going on here. Otherwise, the nation of Babylon is coming and is going to destroy you and everything you love. Destroy your temple and your home. Destroy your kingdom and take you away. Fix it now and avoid this tragedy. But they didn't. And so when Babylon did come and did destroy Israel and Judah and did take them away and did destroy the temple and when the monarchy of Israel was done, it wasn't God's fault that they were punished. 
They were simply reaping what they had sown all along. And like a portrait that is painted of someone years and years ago, we look at the Israelites and we see the differences. We're not tempted to sacrifice children in the fires of Molech or participate in the Baal worship cults, but we see a reflection of ourselves and the seeds we have sown. We're not idolatrous in the same sense of Israel by any means, but we too are surrounded by a cultural pressure, especially this time of year, right? To care about anything and everything ahead of God. So if we continue to sow the seeds of sin, because that's what sin is, is isolating ourselves from God, what exactly will we reap? If we were to spend our lives sowing the seeds of this sin, sowing the seeds of isolation, and we reaped a true isolation from God, an is a spiritual isolation from God's love in an eternity in hell, it would not be God's fault. We would simply be reaping what we had been sowing all along. I don't know how many of you get excited about Black Friday. I kind of do, but this year I escaped without buying anything. But last night, while the TV was on, I was scrolling through my phone, and I was looking at all these deals, because you know it doesn't end on Black Friday. Black Friday is really a misnomer. They should call it something else, because it's more like black time or something. I was scrolling through my phone, looking at these companies I was thinking about buying from, and what I noticed welling up inside of me, in my heart, was a sense of urgency, right? Because stock is limited. You're seeing the styles, the products that you want, they're selling out right as you're looking at the webpage, right? Or this deal, the whole idea is that these amazing deals are only going to last for just a little bit. So you have to take advantage of it now because advertisers are master psychologists. They get fear. They understand what we are afraid of and they know how to tap that vein. They know that you are afraid of missing out on something good. There was no Black Friday in Israel's days, but that fear was very real. Because as, Israel, as those Israelites sat in exile, as they saw their temple in a pile of ash and rubble, as they saw that they no longer had their own king sitting on the throne but were ruled by someone else, they were afraid. Did we miss out? Did we miss our one chance at righteousness? Our one chance at wholeness, at goodness with God? Are we done? Did we finally out-sin God's grace. And if that's what you're wondering here this morning, I'm glad that you're with us, and I hope that you hang on with us today. If you're wondering, have I missed my chance at a good relationship with God? Have I finally outsinned God's grace? Have I sown too many seeds of isolation, too many seeds of sin? Am I going to reap that punishment I deserve? Then hang on. But advertisers truly are 
brilliant psychologists. Because they sell us on a twice-barbed lie. A lie that has two sides to it, two hooks to it. And the first side is that you are incomplete. That you are not whole. That you are not safe until you buy fill-in-the-blank. And if they can convince you that you are not safe unless you buy a ring home security system, then that is a rich vein to tap again. Because if they can convince you that you are basically a sitting duck without whatever product they're selling, that you might as well just take your loved ones and hand them over to the criminals based on how many things you need to protect the ones that you love. If they can get you to think that you're not safe, they can get us to purchase a whole bunch of stuff, right? The first lie, the first part of the lie is that you are incomplete. And the second lie, the second part, is that a purchase can make you complete. That a purchase of an Xbox or that ring home security system or that car or that ticket on that trip is finally what it is going to take to make you a whole person, to make you able to live with yourself, to make you even, by implication, all right with God in heaven. And you know that's not true. Because deep inside each of our hearts, by nature, because of our sin, is a righteousness-shaped hole. That's what makes us feel incomplete. That's what makes us feel like not a whole person. That's what makes us feel like we're not safe because we're missing on the righteousness. We have sowed too many seeds of sin. We have done too much to ruin our relationship with God. We lack righteousness, wholeness, peace, safety, a good relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. And it is an insult to us for anyone to imply that buying something can fill that righteousness-shaped hole. And that's why the way we talk about gardening is misleading. Because your neighbor does not grow roses. I don't care what plants you have in your backyard, you did not grow them. Here's why. All you did was you purchased the seeds, you purchased the soil, the fertilizer, the planter. You used the treatments to kill off the bacteria. You ward off the rabbits and the deer from eating your precious plants. But finally, the decision to cause that little stalk of that rose to grow or not is not your decision to make. You simply create the conditions you have learned to be conducive to plant life. Whether or not that plant lives is out of your hands. Just like your righteousness. You can't grow your own righteousness. You're missing it. You're lacking it. But you can't get it yourself. The decision lies with God. And that's why... The words God spoke to Israel and speaks to you and me through Jeremiah are so beautiful because this is how it works. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. 
In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. God made a promise. A promise is not like a contract. Husband and wife stand before the altar and they promise to be husband and wife to each other. It's not a contract. The wife isn't saying to her husband, I will be your wife as long as you stay skinny and earn a good income, but the second you gain any weight, I'm out of here. A civil servant takes a vow uh, as they take on their responsibilities, and they vow to complete what fits their job title. Not to say, I will do this as long as people are nice to me on Twitter and you pay me enough. No, a promise is a promise. And God made a promise. He made a promise to David, King David, hundreds of years before Jeremiah's time. He promised David that you, David, will never fail to have a descendant sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. That someone from your family line, David, will always be king of my people, Judah. And that's a promise that could seem like it was broken, like God wasn't going to keep it, especially if you were an Israelite in exile. Because where was the throne? It was a pile of rocks and ash. Where was the kingdom? It was taken over. And yeah, there would be people who came back and would be good leaders, Zerubbabel, other people in Israel's history, but they were temporary. So clearly God is talking about something much more than a physical throne. He's talking about much more than an earthly king. He's talking about much more than a physical kingdom. He's talking about Jesus, the righteous branch. Jesus, who was born to be our righteousness. God knew that you couldn't come up with righteousness on your own. You couldn't create the conditions to grow your own righteousness. So he says, from the stump of Jesse, from David's line, I will grow it for you. When Jesus was born, he was born to be our righteousness. Because he lived our righteousness. He obeyed God's law perfectly. He demonstrated what it looks like to have a good relationship with God and to live it out and he went to the cross and he died as a sinner so that he could rise from the grave and clothe you with his righteousness. You didn't get it yourself. You didn't grow it yourself. You couldn't. But God gives it to you as a gift. You are a whole person. You are safe. You are secure in the righteousness of Christ because it's given to you freely through Jesus. So now, you know better than to believe the lies of those advertisers this Christmas season. You know better than that for, to believe that first lie, that you are an incomplete person, and you know better than, than to think that it's an Xbox or a car or anything else that will fill that righteousness-sized hole in your heart but it's Jesus, 
the Jesus that you already have. You do not need anything this Christmas season. Nothing can make your life any better than Jesus already has by guaranteeing you a right relationship with God. You see, even though you have sown plenty of seeds in your life of isolation and sin, you will never reap what those sins deserve, ever, because Jesus suffers the punishment for you. And the, what those advertisers say to you is really just an insult to your intelligence because now you know better. If you want to buy gifts for your loved ones, go ahead. We're not saying gifts are the devil. And if you get something this Christmas season that you're excited about, if you did go out shopping on Black Friday and get something that you're excited about, that's fine. But you know better than to think that that's going to fill the righteousness-sized hole in your heart as Jesus already has. That's what Christmas truly is all about. The righteousness given to you for free in Jesus Christ. The seeds that he has sown for you, and you just get to reap the benefit through faith in Christ. Christmas is all about the righteousness, all about the safety, all about the love that God has given to you, has promised you. He has made good on that promise. Amen.